Hey listeners, welcome to another episode of The Background Scoop. I'm your host, DJ Stavropoulos, part-time actor here in Atlanta, Georgia. I'll get right to the point. This episode covers the following topics. Recording auditions with friends. Why a live audition beats a tape one. Shooting independent films as a supporting actor. My third acting class at the Alliance Theater. Cold reads and monologues. And some stories about filming in a restaurant you've eaten at twice. Standing in for stunt people. Resetting an escalator scene. And lying on a dirty nursing home floor for hours. I'll get started after the break. Today is Saturday, May 14th, 2022. I filmed Blue Beetle yesterday downtown. This was cast by Bill Marinella, whom I rarely work with, but it sounded fun. Originally a two-day shoot, it was reduced to one for each of us because the director wanted to feature each and every one of us. Weird, but it was filmed at the exact same location as Yellow a while back, the American Cancer Society building at 250 William Street downtown. That futuristic white concrete six-story thing with a wide open atrium, floating escalators, and glass elevators whizzing up and down in some futuristic frenzy. I played an executive of a fictitious company. I got some good coverage. In one scene, I was sitting on a couch right behind the principal actor. Then I got up and walked across the lobby. The notes someone gave me were to loosen up. Sound familiar? Just like Patricia told me on The Wonder Years. You're too stiff. This guy actually shook his whole body and flung his arms around as if to say, I should be a loosey-goosey dish of jello. Later on, we did this crazy escalator and elevator scene. Talk about a complicated reset. There were people spanning four floors with escalators zigzagging to connect us all, and someone was in a glass elevator moving downward. First time we shot the scene, I was simply traveling down one level, but the reset was so complicated. When I got there, they yelled, reset which means I had to run around to the other side of the escalator to catch it going up. And when I got there, I was on the right level, but on the wrong side. So I had to run around to the other side of that floor to get back to where I started. Multiply this by 20 people on four floors. It will be fun to watch, but it was difficult to do. Who comes up with this stuff? At the complete opposite end of the spectrum during one scene, I was simply sitting in a chair in the lobby. When they yelled reset, I didn't have to go anywhere. I just closed my black leather portfolio. Speaking of which, I've never seen this before, but the legal pad inside of it had the months of the year spelled out across the top of each page with the numerals 1 to 31 below them. So that you didn't have to write the date at the top of the page, you just had to circle the month and the day. Ingenious. We filmed other things and then came back to this scene at the end of the night. This time, I was paired with a guy and started on the same level, but was going up one level. Added twist, and our PA did not mention this to us. Instead, we heard someone directing the principal actor what to do, and that's how we learned what was about to happen. When they yelled action, we proceeded to get on the escalator and travel up one flight. But at the same time, the actor proceeded to run down the up escalator that we were on, reaching us at about the midpoint and frantically squeezing between us to get by. A little crazy to say the least. And although they used a stunt double the first time they shot this, this time around it was the real actor, which seemed incredibly dangerous to me because you know how those open escalators are. One mishap and you fall over the side and down five stories to death. 
Meanwhile, I met an interesting woman dressed up as a lab tech whose name I never got. They changed my role to lab tech on the final call sheet, but when I arrived, I was back to wearing my own suit, and they gave me a simple silver tie. I met another woman in one scene who I ended up having lunch with. Her name is Andrea, and she turned me on to a new podcast called Dead Eyes. This after I told her about the background scoop and gave her my card. Cindy was there and tried to rope me into being a blackjack dealer at some college thing in Jasper, Georgia for $100, but I declined. We were done by 9 p.m., which is great, but as usual, I had trouble finding my way out of the parking deck. I started my third class at the Alliance Theater this week. It's called Acting 3 Scene Study. There are only four of us, three women and me. I felt really ganged up on in the scene we did. I played the liar boyfriend, which isn't something I've ever done in the real world. Boy, it gave me some insight into the hatred women can feel towards the opposite sex. So glad I am not a straight man who has to deal with this. I mean, apparently my character lied to his girlfriend. She dumps him, and her friend storms out with her, giving me the craziest evil eyes. I think their names are Ryan, Tiffany, and Kira. Fun, fun. Regarding auditions, I am now registered with Casting Networks, which was my one holdout because it cost $250 per year. Recall that I joined Actors Access and Backstage back in January. Well, Casting Networks had a $75 off sale, so I finally joined and set up my profile. So now I have three platforms on which to look for and submit to projects. I've had the best luck with Actors Access, the worst luck with Backstage, and with Casting Networks, it's too early to tell. I've already submitted for four things this week. Regarding Actors Access, the issue of self-taping sides versus live auditions or Zoom auditions has reached ahead. A week ago, I got an invitation for a live tryout at SCAD, Savannah College of Art and Design. Thrilling, but the invitation had conflicting dates. The subject said Friday, but the body said Thursday. I had no way to communicate with them except to click the reschedule button and ask them, which they incorrectly interpreted to mean I couldn't make the scheduled time, which I didn't even know. So they set up a Zoom call last Saturday. Here's what I now believe. A live audition is a million times better than a taped one. The taped one is good in that you can practice and tape until you get one good enough to submit. But since it's not live, if you didn't give them exactly what they're looking for, there's no opportunity to get notes and modify your take on it, which is exactly what happened on my live audition last week. Probably six takes. The other thing I learned is that despite having a vision in your head of what this should look and sound like, you better be prepared with alternate versions because they will ask for them as they did with me. More hateful, more cynical, more I know you're lying, more you're despicable. It got to the point where I just stopped for a minute to think about how I could change what I was doing to make it more whatever. Anyway, it's also interesting to hear their feedback live. It's like a job interview where they're either smiling or frowning at you. But despite them saying good several times, I assume someone else was better. Finally, the live audition solves the problem of having to find other people to read with you because when they send you the sides, if there are other people on them, you have to round up friends to read with you, which I tried to do this week. I needed a woman and I called three friends and none of them could do it. So that one went kind of out of the window. I also got another one yesterday, which is even worse. It's got four people in it and there's no way I'm gonna be able to find two men and a woman to read with me. So I can't do that one either. I'm specifically looking only for the live auditions going forward. I submitted today for some type of financial commercial where they wanted a podcaster, so I included an episode of each of my podcasts as well as a video of me talking about keto that I made last year. 
The Staircase has finally started airing on HBO Max. It's very good. I clearly show up in the first two episodes. Once at the jail at night as he's going in. I'm on the right with my big orange spongy microphone from channel 11. Then in episode two as he's coming out. My friend Josephine and I are right outside the car, so his lawyer is speaking to him. You can see me and that orange microphone jumping around just outside the window. Good thing, because in the night shot, I look like a zombie. No energy whatsoever. On a slightly sour and personal note, we finally got an offer from the other side in my ongoing divorce. So we finally are making progress after being separated for two years and having the legal side of it drag on for over a year now. Stay tuned. Today is Thursday, May 19th, 2022. I forgot to mention in the last segment how much filming at the American Cancer Society building reminds me of the show Homecoming on Netflix. All those bizarre corporate offices with ginormous atriums in the middle where you can see people walking by on multiple levels like a bunch of zombies all going at different paces in different directions. That's exactly what this looked like. They had people on four levels walking around pretending to be going somewhere. I was so mesmerized by this that I convinced myself to run home and rewatch both seasons of the show. But I probably won't do that because my list of TV shows is already overloaded. I spent two days this week on a new TV show whose codename is AUPS. Priyanka Chopra Jonas stars in it, but it's not Quantico. We believe it's called The Citadel, but no one will confirm that. We were scheduled to film both Monday and Tuesday, but we finished all of it on Monday, so they canceled Tuesday. But then Sentinel called me Monday night and asked if I would come back the next day to stand in for someone. I had already just booked myself for fantasy football, but this paid more, so I said yes. I've done stand-in before, but this time was different. Here's what I learned. When the scene is a fight scene, there will be stunt people doing the fighting. In our case, the principal actors weren't even there. Since the stand-in stands in for a principal actor, we had nothing to do. We were not going to stand in for the stunt people because that made no sense. A stand-in literally just stands there or may do some small blocking, but they certainly don't pretend to fight the way stunt people do. So 10 hours of sitting around outside at the Westside Provisions District chatting with Maya and Carson, two of the regular stand-ins. It was even more confusing because it took hours for them to figure out why the normal stand-in for my character was not there. He was up in Buckhead for the day filming with the principals. Also, the character I stood in for has two names. The call sheet said Mason, but he more regularly goes by Kyle. So we had no idea who Mason was or which actor or stunt double I was there for. Monday was much simpler, straight background work. I was slated to be a patron, but at the last minute, they made me a waiter. Better for me. There were only four of us waitstaff, and we were dressed in white jackets, so we'll be more clearly seen than the patrons. Another key learning? We filmed at Marcel, the very high-end, or probably the best French steakhouse in all of Atlanta. I have eaten there twice. Once a long time ago, when they used to serve lunch, then again for dinner. I had to look through my Facebook albums to figure out when. It turns out it was way back in 2016. So it was very weird being in a nice restaurant you had already had memories of that was suddenly taken over by a film crew with lots of people running around, talking loudly, preparing to, and then filming for 12 hours. 
It basically ruins any memories you have of the place. If I ever eat there again, I won't vividly recall the first two times I ate there. Instead, I will recall filming there in May of 2022. So, if you don't want to ruin your memories, don't ever film anywhere that you have already been in real life. I mean specific places you've been to, not cities like Atlanta. I am attending a weekly online webinar with Casting Networks that started two weeks ago and runs for eight weeks. It's pretty informative. This Canadian casting director named Brandy English hosts it, and she has lots of good stuff to share. And she laughs a lot, which makes it entertaining. The only problem is that it's at 8.30 Eastern Time on Tuesday nights and typically runs two hours, which keeps me up past my bedtime. I try to get to bed by 10. And then I'm tired on Wednesdays and have to trudge into Midtown for my Acting 3 class from 6.30 to 8.30, and that just wipes me out. We had class 2 yesterday, and I already know that I'm not performing up to snuff because I have less energy at this time of the day. Ryan and I did a scene from Rebel Without a Cause. It's within the first five minutes of the movie. She played Judy and I was Ray, the police detective, trying to figure out what her problem was and why she was wandering around at 1 a.m. Instead of being a jerk, I was a very compassionate listener. Alison Gardner taught us how to walk as well. We did this exercise where she yelled at a body part and said to walk with that leading you. Walk with your nose, walk with your stomach, walk with your fingertips, and so on. She said I could soften my boxy, broad-chested walk by sucking my stomach in and curving my shoulders. After our skits, classmates said they could easily see me playing a judge or a priest. Next week, I get to act with Tiffany. I am playing Androcles, and she's my wife, Hermione. No, not that one from Harry Potter. This is from some classic play whose title I don't know. It may be Androcles. We're out in the desert somewhere having a fight, and I'm saying funny things while she tries to destroy my expensive harp. The independent film I did back in January called Class A has reared its ugly head. The filmmaker is fighting in court with a cinematographer whom he claims will not release the finished product to him. In the meantime, the filmmaker has reached out to me with another script. It was three days ago. We are filming Sunday. I'm in five scenes and have 30 sets of lines. I've so far memorized only half of them, and he hasn't clarified which scenes we're filming. I get to play a medical doctor in a superhero action comedy, and my father is a drug dealer. I also talk about homeostasis a lot. Wish me luck. The last time I worked with him back in January was crazy, so I expect the same this time around. He's offered more money this time, but hasn't said exactly how much. Once I have him roped in, I should demand $500 a day so that he's stuck because he can't continue filming without me. Get this funny email he sent me, and I quote, Thanks for replying. I become a big fan of yours. I know you can deliver. Unquote. The pressure is on. I accidentally mentioned this podcast in class last night, and Allison asked me what its name is. She was fascinated. The topic yesterday was discovery, and she used this as an example of something that the character doesn't know but discovers during the scene. It can happen in the real world as well, as in this case. The teacher, Allison, discovered that her student, DJ, had a podcast that she wasn't aware of. If you're listening, Allison, thanks for listening. I'm telling all my friends to sign up for acting classes at the Alliance Theater with you, Allison Gardner. Shameless plug, but why not? I love to promote brands I believe in. It's Sunday, May 22nd. 
2022. It's a little after 6 p.m. I just finished my first day working on American Mummy with the same director I worked on back in January. His name is Joseph Jacklin. Um, as I mentioned in an earlier segment, he reached out with a new script and wanted me to play this doctor. So uh, today was the first day about 30 miles west on 20 in Douglasville at some convention center in the middle of town. Um, it wasn't as chaotic as the January stint, um, but still similar in the sense that there were three of us there and they'd wanted to do certain scenes, but this woman and this other guy never showed up, so they couldn't do their scenes with the actor who's playing my dad. So all we could really do were two of the scenes that my dad and I are in. So we did those two scenes today. Um, I was a little concerned because his email said, we're not going beyond page eight. And at one point he wanted to go beyond page eight and he was acting like I could just wing it, but you can't wing the script for this because I've got 30 lines across five scenes. And when I say lines, I don't mean a word or a sentence or a couple sentences. A lot of my lines are huge paragraphs with a lot of words in them and they're very hard to memorize. So I was lucky I could get the first two scenes memorized, which have eight lines and five lines in them respectively. So now I have to hunker down for next weekend and memorize the last three scenes, which are eight lines, very big paragraphs, six lines, a little bit smaller, and then three lines in the last scene. So the tentative plan is to shoot again next Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, or some combination of those three days. Um, so it was fun overall, but I think the big learning is it's really hard to memorize all of this at once, and I'm glad we got to break it up across several days because it's just too much to cram into your head. Um, and then you tape it five or six times, and the more you do it, I don't think you get better sometimes. I think you reach a, a peak, and then it starts to go downhill because you're just so tired of repeating the same lines, and your brain gets fuzzy. So um, I wore this cool French blue shirt, and some gray pants from one of my suits, black wingtips, a black tie, and he gave me this funky white lab coat and a real stethoscope. I don't know why, if I'm only working with dead bodies, I certainly don't need to listen to a heart, but I did listen to my own and it was kind of creepy because I've never done that before. So real, real stethoscope. So um, the actor who plays my dad, his name is Gary, he's going to call me or text me, I think, on Wednesday or Thursday, and we're going to do some dry run practices over the phone um, to prep for next weekend. We didn't have a chance today, so we, we had to run through our scene several times just to get the flow going. Um, that's one of the limitations of not being able to practice beforehand. You can memorize your lines, but once you get there, you really have to go through the scene several times. Um, and get the flow of the conversation. There really is no blocking in this. We're not moving at all. We're just standing there talking or sitting at a table. So uh, that wasn't something we really had to figure out. But once you do it, it's really interesting because when the other character has a lot of lines, you're left kind of sitting there looking at them and then you start to wonder, what should I be doing with my face? I didn't really think through this because I just focused on memorizing my lines and how I would deliver them. But the reality is, the camera's looking at you and seeing what you're doing while you are listening. So something to keep in mind going forward. Uh, this week is kind of crazy. I, wow, what am I doing? Besides those three days next weekend, I am filming my second day on an indie film called, I can't remember. Oh, I think it's called The One That Got Away, 
We filmed Friday. It was very easy. We played pharmaceutical company employees. Um, On Monday, we're playing the same people going on a picnic somewhere. Um, But the issue is I have to go take a COVID test for something I'm filming on Tuesday tomorrow morning before I film. I don't know what my call time is. Tuesday should be a little bit simpler. My call time for yellow, which I worked on before, is until 11 o'clock. But the problem is... I found a nail in my tire yesterday morning. This is the same tire I've replaced three times already since January of 2021. So that's three times in less than 18 months. Now it's got a nail in it. I can't get to the tire shop till Wednesday morning. So I'm driving around hoping that nothing will happen. Can't pull the nail out because that will definitely deflate the tire. But I'm like, should I just call AAA and have them put the donut on? and like avoid the catastrophe of the tire going while I'm on the highway. But if I put the donut on, then I really can't drive more than 50 miles an hour. So I would either have to take back roads everywhere for the next two days or drive really slowly in the right lane on the highway. So I don't know what to do. I'm just kind of hoping and praying. I don't really want to deal with switching the tire out and being proactive about it. I'd rather wait, I guess, for the disaster to happen if it's going to happen, but it's extremely stressful um, and I don't like it. So. Uh, We'll see what happens. So uh, wish me luck over the next couple days as I try to get to my COVID test and my two shoots on Monday and Tuesday of this week. Today is Friday, May 27th, 2022. Happy Memorial Day weekend. Just a few things to note here. I mentioned in the past that it's become a real challenge submitting EcoCast self-tape auditions on Actors Access because most sides include other characters, which means you have to round up people and get them to record their voices with you so that you have readers for the sides. I tried this a few weeks ago but got no takers. I subsequently have declined a few audition requests because of this. But lo and behold, when it rains, it pours. This week on Tuesday after 5 p.m., I had two friends simultaneously text me to see if I could read with them for self-tape auditions. Okay, sure, I had some free time. We did Kelly's first. She's been out of town, so was scrambling to get this in by 7 p.m. I think we eventually began recording at 6.30, right down to the wire. But ironically, when I saw the sides, they were from an audition that I had declined because I had no one to read with. So I already knew the lines. I played Morris, some type of detective who was helping his friend find her lost son. Her acting was really good. I think she recorded it on her iPhone while we read them through a Zoom call. Then I did the same with Kevin. He took a different approach. He has two phones for some reason. So he talked to me on one of them and recorded on the other. However, we did not speak all the lines. Instead, I read my lines but left enough time between my lines so that he could later read his and somehow layer them in. We tried this three to four times with me reading his lines in my head and then adding three to four seconds when I was done before I started speaking again. The first few times I wasn't leaving enough time, so when he read his lines, I kept cutting him off before he had finished. He texted me the final product today. It looks very good, but you can tell him on the phone. What made me laugh out loud is that the scene called for him eating popcorn, but he chose to chomp on an apple instead and started by explaining to the casting director that he had taken 
poetic license here. The other funny thing for both Kelly and Kevin is that they did not have solid backgrounds draped behind them. Kelly just had a solid wall, and Kevin had his messy apartment in the background because he apparently is in the middle of moving. My plans for finishing up the filming on American Mummy on Thursday, Friday, and Sunday got a bit hosed. It turns out the scenes they filmed on Thursday and Friday didn't include me, so I only have to be there on Sunday for my three final scenes. And that is a lot of lines. It's eight big paragraphs, six smaller ones, and then three one-liners, basically 17 in all. This is more than I had to memorize for last Sunday. At this point, I know all but the final three lines. Finally, the nail in the tire fiasco I mentioned earlier turned out to be no big deal. I drove the car around from Saturday until Thursday morning, five full days before they could fix it. I dropped the car off on Wednesday morning before 8 a.m. and they called at 4 to say they couldn't get to it. But then I returned the next day and they had it finished by 10 a.m. So it worked out well since I couldn't film on American Mummy that day, but wasn't needed anyway. My rendition of Androcles in Acting 3 this week went well, but I have to say that I feel like I'm at the bottom of the group. There are only three of us in class, and the two women are much better actors than me. In Acting 1 and 2, I felt like I was one of the best in the class. For Week 4, we're doing a cold read as a group. Week 5 is monologues, and Week 6, we're each bringing in a three-person scene to cold read and as a group we'll decide which one we want to perform. I learned that my normal posture is very powerful so to appear weaker I have to cower a bit, curl my shoulders inward, and suck my stomach in. Good to know. Thanks Allison. I submitted for a role this week as a disgruntled fired co-worker. It was quite fun to record, no reader needed, and since I've actually been laid off twice, I had some real-world experience. The instructions were just a little confusing because they said to make sure you had a reader, but the start arrow on the sides started at my lines and ended after my lines, hence no need for a reader, I think. Here are the sides. How dare you? How dare you fire me after I gave this company the best years of my life? Just because I don't flicker or use Instafarm doesn't mean I'm obsolete. These sites are going to go up in flames, just like that dot-com bubble. Just you wait. You'll see. It reminds me of that crazy scene in Network where the guy opens the window and yells out, I've had it and I'm not going to take it anymore. Gotta go. Tonight is my big dynasty reveal. Season 5, episode 13, as the captain at the airport party. I do hope you can see me. It's Sunday, June 5th, 2022. I began watching The First Lady on Showtime last night. I bought a 30-day free trial just to do this. It's okay. I like Julian Anderson's portrayal of Eleanor Roosevelt the best, and then Michelle Pfeiffer's job playing Betty Ford. In episode one, I appear chasing her up the White House stairs. Then in episode two, I appear at the Iowa caucus and in the White House inside after I chased her up the stairs. What didn't make it in were one, me in the White House gift shop, and me at the Mayflower Hotel. Well, Three out of five isn't bad. Actually, there is one more scene with Gerald Ford giving a speech that I may appear in. I did see lots of friends in this, especially Betty Ford's Ladies' Luncheon, where Holly clearly appeared with a giant teased, 
hairy beehive on her head. In retrospect, that was a ton of work, just with the chance to see yourself for a second. Probably not worth the effort. I think I'm officially done with background work. My last job was the one that got away on May 23rd, almost two weeks ago. We finished filming American Mummy last Tuesday, May 31st. Prior to that, I filmed on two consecutive Sundays. We didn't finish my last three scenes on the second Sunday, so I had to go back Tuesday for the final two scenes at the same park in Mableton. It was just me and my dad talking about the mummies. So long, Joseph Jean, and thanks for the great opportunity. My acting three class last week focused on cold reads, so let me tell you what those are. A cold read is basically you reading lines that you've never seen before, hence the word cold. Sometimes when you audition, they hand you a script and ask you to do a cold read. So we did two in class. The first was from the movie The Social Network. I got to play Mark Zuckerberg, and what a jerk I got to be. The second was from A Bug's Life, and I got to play Flick, an ant, I believe. Both were fun, but I preferred playing Mark because it was a bolder role. Here's what Allison told us to do when we get into a cold read situation. One, read the entire script from start to finish so you know what it's about. Two, memorize your first line and your last line so you can jump into it and exit without reading them. Three, draw an arc between words that you don't want to stop while reading because it doesn't make sense. I had a situation where a sentence spanned two pages and instead of arcing the last and first words, I just wrote the rest of the sentence on the first page. Four, write the emotions you should be expressing in the margin so you know how to behave. Five, note physical things you should be doing as well, like slouching. Six, underline words or phrases you want to add punch to so you know to emphasize them when you get there. Seven, use a squiggly line to note words you want to color, which means words that sound like what they are. Example, ooze. Eight, rate the lines as well, meaning how fast or slow to read them on a scale of one to five. Nine, draw a ramp above words you want to ramp up, i.e. build up the intensity of these words as you read them. And 10, put a big comma where you want to pause before continuing. Finally, look as much as you can at the other actors and hold the script at an arm's length in the hand upstage from the audience so it's not blocking you. We are doing this again for our final class, but each of us is bringing in our own script from a movie, which means each of us will be well prepared to read it while it will be a cold read for the other two people. I discussed my proposed script with Allison last week. She asked me to send it to her. She really likes it, so I got her approval. It's from the George Clooney movie, Up in the Air, and started as five pages, but I cut out the first and last pages to reduce it to three. She had said one to two pages, so part of my asking her was for permission to use all three pages. I did send a two-page version, but the three-page one is better. Also, we are going back to monologues this week. Before finding the script, from up in the air, I stumbled upon a great monologue from the movie, so that is what I'm doing. It's actually two that he delivers that go together. I chose to do the first one. The moral of it is that we all collect too much stuff in our lives and it weighs us down. The moral of the second one is that he believes humans create even more baggage for us and that we aren't meant to carry this around either. Instead, we need to put it down and move because we are sharks and not swans. I guess swans and other mammals carry each other around. Here goes. How much does your life weigh? Imagine for a second that you're carrying a backpack. I want you to feel the straps on your shoulders. Feel them? Now I want you to pack it with all the stuff that you have in your life. 
you start with the little things. The things on shelves and in drawers, the knickknacks, the collectibles. Feel the weight as that adds up. Then you start adding larger stuff. Clothes, tabletop appliances, lamps, linens, your TV. The backpack should be getting pretty heavy now. And you go bigger. Your couch, bed, your kitchen table. Stuff it all in there. Your car, get it in there. Your home, whether it's a studio apartment or a two-bedroom house. I want you to stuff it all into that backpack. Now try to walk. It's kind of hard, isn't it? This is what we do to ourselves on a daily basis. We wear ourselves down until we can't even move. And make no mistake, moving is living. Now I'm going to set that backpack on fire. What do you want to take out of it? What do you want to take out of it? Photos? Photos are for people who can't remember. Drink some ginkgo and let the photos burn. In fact, let everything burn and imagine waking up tomorrow with nothing. It's kind of exhilarating, isn't it? That is how I approach every day. P.S. My friend Kevin, who I was a reader for last week, actually got that part. So great for him. I guess my help does sometimes pay off. It's Wednesday, June 15th, 2022. I haven't worked in three weeks and broke that dry spell with a day of stand-in work on heels yesterday. It was much better than the first time. But the reason I bring it up is that the experience really impacted me, not because of the character or the scene, but instead because of where we filmed. In a nursing home. Not a closed one, but one that was still open and functioning, which made things logistically difficult and emotional. I stood in for an actor named Blake Fowler. That's Blake spelled with a Q as in B-L-A-Q-U-E. He's a much older, tiny man who had to pretend he was on the verge of dying. It was just one small scene, but I spent half of it lying face down on the floor on a moving blanket to represent the fact that the character had tried to get out of bed and fallen. And then the other half lying in bed with the director, Jessica, and another stand-in named Jessica leaning over me. The reason it was creepy was that my father passed away in a nursing home 16 years ago in January 2006, just as I was packing up to move to Minneapolis. So I had to delay the start of my new job at Target headquarters and rent a car to drive up to Massachusetts with my then whippet, Madeline. Standing in the room looking around was sad, not so much because of him, but the fact that so many people spend the final years of their lives here. There were all kinds of personal belongings lying around, including photos, and grandkids' drawings on construction paper taped to the walls and dresser, all of which refer to him as Pawpaw, as in, we miss you, Pawpaw. And I thought, is this what's going to happen to me? I'll be 90 years old living alone in a nursing home with pictures on the walls from my grandkids or maybe kids. Just walking down the hallways was sad since it was impossible to not look into rooms and see people or run into people walking down the hallways on their walkers or wheeling themselves in wheelchairs. This was as impactful as filming the Underground Railroad, but those slave scenes were disturbing in a different way. The nursing home hit more close to home because it's a reality we all have to face. An hour later, I thought to myself, are these real drawings on the wall or did set decoration create these? Are they fake? Is there really a pawpaw who lives in this room? Similar to my inability to distinguish the real nurses from the fake ones and the background patients from the real people who live there, all the more confusing. Plus, the place was designed like a giant spaceship. This big central hexagon with six legs shooting out of it. BG holding 
was way the hell down one of the legs. We thought it might be one big connecting circle until I saw the evacuation route on the wall and realized that nothing connected to anything. Just a bunch of dead ends. So much for escaping that. It looks like something you would see flying around in a galaxy far, far away. Yes, as in Star Wars. So here's the lesson. You have no idea what situation you may end up in when you do background work, so be prepared for situations like this one, where it makes you uncomfortable because it makes you think about unpleasant things. Tonight was, is, our first final class for Acting 3, Process at the Alliance Theater. It was supposed to be three cold reads, but we all had our scripts last week, so Allison made copies and handed them out. Mine is from Up in the Air. It's a four-page scene with Ryan Bingham and Craig Gregory with Natalie Keener, the new woman who believes she can fire people on Zoom calls. Ryan gives her a run for her money. Recall I did my monologue from this same movie last week. It's the best one I've done so far. The second scene is from the TV show Friends. I play Chandler Bing, and Monica and Phoebe are also in it. The third is from something called Life Spirit. I play Charles, trying to convince my current wife, Ruth, that the ghost of my first wife, Elvira, is in the room. Not much on the books. I'm doing Family Feud one day next week, and then four days on Grasshopper the first week of July, and then off to Birmingham for three days in late July for filming The Devil Comes Dressed to Church 2 with Tiffany Sturdivant. That schedule got all hosed and was supposed to be four consecutive weekends in June, but July works better as I have to drive there only once and stay three nights in a hotel. That will be quite an adventure, I am sure. Today is Tuesday, June 21st, 2022, a belated happy Juneteenth, which was yesterday, but I didn't really have the day off. Instead, I was a paid audience member on three of the four Family Feud episodes filmed. Yes, they film four shows per day, which gets logistically complicated. This was my first time doing a game show, so I'm no longer a game show version. Bill Marinella Casting casts for this, but the weird thing is that they actually have real ticket holders they mix in with you. So, you are not allowed to discuss the fact that you're getting paid to do this. I don't know how you get tickets, but they essentially had one set of ticket holders in the morning for the first two shows, and then a completely new group that arrived in the afternoon for shows three and four. As usual, the communication was a bit lacking. The audience coordinator clearly announced in the morning that we were filming two shows. How many? Two shows, she forced us all to parrot back at her. So around 4 p.m., when a new group of people arrived and she began to recite the exact same speech she had given us in the morning, I thought something was wrong. Did someone forget to wrap me and send me home? I asked her and she said, no, it's two shows for the ticket holders, your BMC, by which she meant Bill Marinella Casting, and you're getting paid. So I accepted the fact that I'd be there for two more shows, but they used me only for the third one. We got in at 11.30 a.m. and we were done exactly eight hours later. God forbid they should have to pay us overtime for clapping and laughing at Steve Harvey's jokes. The set is surprisingly small, bright, and loud. They have this guy, Ruben, whose job it is to warm you up before the show and tell you all the rules. When to clap, when to say, oh, 
when the red X's appear, and to always laugh at Steve Harvey's jokes, whether you want to or not. It takes about an hour to film one show, but there are intermittent breaks where he sits on a stool right in front of the audience and tells stories. I was surprised at what a gutter mouth he is. I mean, he's basically a stand-up comic, so dropping the F-bomb and MF-bomb repeatedly is how he talks. But it felt weird hearing him say this on what feels like a family-oriented show, and then watching the contestants to see how they reacted, knowing that none of this would end up in the show itself. He also likes to rib the contestants in a playful way. The reigning champs were a black family from Decatur, Georgia. They beat the newcomers, a white family also from Georgia. Then in game three, a new white family from Richmond, Virginia beat the reigning champs. So game four introduced a new black family from I don't know where. We could clearly see the other families sitting in the audience section front row before they played. The Richmond family was cleverly dressed in pink dresses and blue suits. I guess to distinguish the boys from the girls. During the lightning rounds, they adjust the audience, which for whatever reason means removing people. So I never got to see those live. We did, however, have a giant TV and holding so we could see what was going on. Between shows, we even watched a taped version of Celebrity Family Feud with Rob Lowe's family on it. The shows I filmed did get a bit racy at times. There was a question about the most embarrassing thing you buy at a drugstore during the lightning round. The first guy sheepishly said condoms. His brother gave the same answer and so then blurted out lube. And I thought, how weird to have to say that in front of your mother and sisters, and all of America for that matter. Some of the answers were so strange. One question was, what would you like to wake up on top of in the morning? One answer was, quote, lover slash Ryan Reynolds, unquote. Of course, no one guessed this. So when the round is over and they flip over the answers no one got, the whole audience has to yell these out in unison. But you cannot say slash if the answer has a slash in it. The music was fun during warm-up. They played one song from the Target Frugalista fashion show I was in back in 2008. Something about a night dream beautiful girl. I don't know the name. All in all, not the most exciting event, and I left convinced I would cancel my second day on this next week. The snacks were not great, the lunch was okay, but there was no place to charge your phones, and they were extremely nasty about plugging into their electrical outlets they were using in background holding. I refused to wait for the golf carts to take us back to parking and just jog my way back there. So if you're ever down at Trilla Studios, they film it at stage 23. Until next time, I'm off to Cape Cod tomorrow for what's basically a big chill reunion with high school friends. 41 years later, we are recreating Senior Prom Weekend in Mashpee, Mass. That's all for this episode. Tune in again for more of the Background Scoop, where I discuss background acting here in Atlanta. Hope you're learning and getting some BG roles of your own. Feel free to reach out with your questions, which I'll try to answer in a future episode, or tell me a story about your own experience, and I may choose to interview you. See the episode notes for how to reach out, and if you like what you've heard, please rate the podcast. Thanks for listening.